Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is his uh, uh, second banana, <laughs> Greg Hutchins. <laughs> you already know what the topic is here. Is, 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 um, a question that came across uh, uh, last week, and, and Chris and I spent a time, uh, Chris actually wrote back to the person and answered their question and tried to answer their question and so on, and then we talked about it. Uh, and it was more of a statistics detailed question about um, uh, the mathematics and redundancy. Yet, one of the things that we didn't address, and I wanted to talk to you about it, Greg, is that um, redundancy in and of itself is not a panacea. It doesn't, it's not free. And I, and I ran into this question where it was, well, I've got a, a system, let's say it's box A feeds into B and C, which when you draw it, look like B and C are redundant. And he said, but only B can work or only C can work. They can't work simultaneously. They're not sharing the load. They're, it's one or the other. And, and okay. And, he, and they were having trouble with the mathematics of how do you model that system? So we kind of sorted it out a little bit. But one of the things that turned out in this thing is that, well, what prevents the both B and C working at the same time? Is there a valve? Is there a switch? Is there a programmatic thing or whatever? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. There's a person that has to shift this conveyor belt, basically, from line A to line, or from B to C. You know, you, somebody goes and moves physical part of the, phys, the physical production plant so that we're running through machine B versus machine C. And like, that's a switch, this is the way I think of it is. And so that made it easier then to figure out the mathematics part of it. it was, well, how reliable is your switch? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what kind of other problems do you have? If the, the bigger question though is, is why do you have these two separate lines? You know, and why do you have a, a manual switch versus an automatic switch? You know, we got so much robotics and instrumentation and all this stuff in facilities these days um, it just seemed, it was that a deliberate decision to make that a manual process. <clears throat> and there's a problem with machine B. We just changed the flow of material over to machine C and that's what we do because it's good enough. Or do we need to fully automate all this stuff and, and, or, do we even need the redundancy to start with? And if we solve the problem with one of those two machines just not doing the job, then why do we need both of them? Let's fix one of them so that it's, it's useful for us. But the bigger issue is, is that we put redundancy in because we're trying to achieve something with a higher availability. We're trying to get imperfect pieces of equipment to collectively perform better than they could alone. It's the way I think of redundancy and why we use it. But it doesn't come free. There's always a switch or there's there added maintenance benefits or whatever. And I, I was thinking of you because of the discussions with nuclear plants and in high end systems that have to have high availability is it's never free. 
and, and, and where do you draw that balance of how do you pay for the extra redundancy and the attendant risks that come with that versus the desired result? So you posed about four or five questions. You yeah, made about yeah, five, yeah, you know. You made about five editorials. So the <laughs> question is, how do we want to unpack this? Um, so let's define a couple terms first and then come up with a large picture issue, and then we can basically devolve into uh, dis uh, discussing <laughs> parts of it. So right. what's res redundancy? Redundancy is really a risk management technique. Now, in our last little uh, podcast, I said the future of everything is risk. Yeah. You're going to stay with that here now, I, I, I take it. I, I know, but I have to say that because <laughs> I'm a one-trick pony, and without that one trick, why am I even here on the <laughs> podcast? So... Uh, redundancy basically is a risk management um, tool uh, that you know means we're going to have a duplicate system. It could be a control system, it could be a separate supplier, it can be a uh, uh, and or type of switch. It can be a number of things, but basically means um, we're building additional assets uh, in a critical area to provide backup if there is the event of a failure of one form or another. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we want 100% uptime or, uh, you know, continuity. So that's basically a definition and what we would call a purpose for redundancy. Now, here's the issue. A lot of quality, a lot of reliability is based on lean. Well, make no it simple. Yeah, make it simple and yeah, clean and simple. least least expensive to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. And that works for but, some things. But for, for non-critical systems, that works. But what happens if you've got a plant, a supplier, where there's a possibility that the plant might go down? Geoeconomic, fire, uh, geopolitical reasons, lack of access, lack of containers, whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You've got a key supplier, single source supplier that can go down. Are you willing to bet the company for that? Of course not. So what do you have? You have a redundant supplier. Same thing with inventory. I mean, I can give you, you know, let's say that you can't get shipments from China or Vietnam. Well, sometimes they can't do? get shipments across town because it's, or, you know, the road's closed. <laughs> yeah, there's snow, there's floods, whatever. So what do you do? You have a redundancy. You have different suppliers. Or you, you have inventory. buffer. Yeah. That's exactly right. You have either buffer incoming, buffer, or outgoing inventory. Why? To basically make sure that, you know, you've got uptime, uptime for your plant, uptime for, you know, satisfied customers, whatever. But again, that redundancy is, is anathema, is, uh, what, what's another word, uh, is inconsistent with lean. It's inconsistent with reliability. Well, it A costs money. That's what I think of it is inventory is not free. The buffer is not free. It takes space and time and there's loss in those systems. So. I look at redundancy as you you're adding uh, expense to, to to solve a problem. You're adding friction yeah, that's a good to point. have higher reliability in the system. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes friction is good. Yeah. Because it gives you, in terms of decision making, again, are you going to be looking at this? <laughs> How are you looking at the problem? That goes back to our previous podcast. Are you looking at it in terms of cost or are you looking at it in terms of business continuity and profitability? 
I get those two confused. At least the, my business acumen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all frame of reference, you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes adding friction, like buffer inventories or a second supplier, uh, makes sense from a business point of view or a customer satisfaction point of view. And I guess that's the theme for today, you know, for both of episodes is take your frame of reference and move it up sideways or up or down. So you understand the totality of the problem and redundancy is just simply a risk framework, a risk tool to ensure that critical areas, again, the critical few, not the insignificant many are basically being addressed in terms of customer satisfaction, profitability, continuity of operations, whatever it is. Yeah. It's um, the part that I struggle with, and it might be just not having to think this through in a lot of places is that is the redundancy itself. I've often heard, well, it, if it makes business sense, it says, well, is that strictly a cost benefit trade-off? Is that the kind of thing? Because if I look at it from like this factory example, um, if the downtime caused by saying, oh, hey, you know, Sally, could you go over and change the direction so we move from th that line to this line? And it might take five, 10 minutes and it varies depending on if people are on break or not, or if we get notified, if we're alerted to it and so on. If that downtime is acceptable, meaning that it has no adverse effect of how many widgets per hour we're making or, you know, meeting our requirements or, or uh, shipment dates and everything else, then it's having somebody manually change the flow of production is perfectly fine. It's, and then vice versa, if I'm, I don't know, making a very high volume thing. And if I don't make the thousand widgets per hour that we're losing money and we're pissing, you know, customers are not happy and, and wherever <laughs> our widgets go, you know, those kind of things. Well then waiting for, you know, Bill to wander over there and make the change is unacceptable because that five minutes means, and you run into it, I'm sure. And I've heard it in auto factories in particular is that every minute of downtime has a number associated with how much they lose. Uh, in sales. And I've worked in factories where that wasn't always the issue. It was the quality was way more important. Other kinds of industries, if you don't make it, you can't sell it. And, and if you can make it, you can sell it. Where, where I was, we had so much capacity that, you know, if we lost an hour because we did an all hands meeting on, we can make it up within the next, next three hours. It wasn't a big deal. So what you're expressing from my point of view is you're saying that the quality and reliability of the product sometimes is more important than the quality of the decision. And from my point of view, the quality of the decision of the larger decision, say at the plant level or the customer level, basically preempts the product level decision, you know, at the cost piece. Right. So if I had a hundred thousand dollars and automate this switching detect when machine B is down and I switch to C, I can automate that. I can make that happen. I can put robots in there. I can do whatever. I'm an engineer. I can over-design something to solve that problem. It costs $100,000, take us six months to put it in. And my boss is going to go, why? 
<laughs> you will never get a payback on that, you know? Okay. But if the ROI is six months for a $100,000 investment, yeah, you bet he or she will make that decision. Yeah. But if it's 600 years, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of it goes back to our previous thing. It's the frame of reference. You know, how do you basically look at it? And redundancy for critical areas, critical assets, critical decision-making uh, is an important tool because you can't basically, uh, you know, things will fail. And when things fail, you need to have a backup. And that backup is the redundancy. Yeah. And one thought, I mean, a lot of the reliabilities as statistics focused textbooks when we're looking at uh, modeling parallel systems, they often call for that it's identical units. So if I've got two pumps, we'll put the same pumps. Pump A and pump B are identical, and we have a switch that can go between them where they can share the load, and they both are rated to take the full load if one of the pumps fails or that line fails. It almost it simplifies the mathematics a lot if you just assume there's the same pumps or just they are the same pumps. And, and I've also run into situations where we don't want the same pumps. They get the same maintenance schedule. They get the same behaviors and, and backups and materials and everything else. We want to have pump A from this vendor with a certain technology for how it works versus another pump that uses a different technology and different materials from a different vendor. I'm thinking of the uh, space shuttle with its five navigational computers and they were they were not using the same code for their navigation. They were different computers, different systems um, because of the issue of common cause problems. Because that's the thing I run into with redundancy a lot of times is that, well, I installed two pumps and they both wear out on the same day. Redundancy has gone now. <laughs> well, then you start getting into what type of failures are you going to have? Yeah. Is it a single point of failure? Is there cascading failure? Is there redundant? Is there mm. redundant failure? Well, there's know. a common cause failures. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking if if I have a maintenance action on these two pumps and the maintenance action, the process itself renders them both op, you know, inoperable for the next time it's being used, the common cause was this technician that you know went out and and destroyed both pumps inadvertently. I hope. Um, you know, if the process says, leave your wrench inside here in this active area where it's supposed to move and, and, um, that's part of the process and that's, you know, over the top example, but, um, if the, it was a poorly trained person that was doing the maintenance and they left wrenches in both, both of them at the same day, they were resurfacing both of them. We have a common cause problem. We lost that redundancy because of, and, and same thing with computers. If you have the same code running in both computers and they both run into the same bug because of the problem that they're trying to solve at that moment, it doesn't matter if you have two computers or not. They both ran into the exact same problem. Well, I'm going to quibble on terms. I think the special cause problem is the lack of training of the operator. The solution to that would be a redundant system. Like two, that, two operators? Well, it could be two operators, or it could be a bypass. It could be two pumps in parallel. It could be a quick, 
you know, <laughs> it could be common flow to both branches of the of the system, but basically be at half capacity. There are a lot of solutions. Oh no, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it's of the infinite number of solutions. It's then. I think what we agree on is that, well, you got to look at, well, what happens when it's not working? If we've got an hour to go fix it at our leisure, it's we'll call it low risk to our production facility, for example. I like and, that. Right. But if, <laughs> if it needs to be done as, you know, within milliseconds, otherwise the pressure vessel explodes, well, that's a higher severity, higher risk of, uh, you know, problems that could occur, we might want to have a different level of investment in making sure that that change or that decision is done correctly. And, and I, I ran into one company that used a, a voting system. They had all these sensors and all this fancy wizard stuff to tell if this pressure vessel was getting too high if the trajectory was going to go into a tipping point where they couldn't recover from it and it would be a catastrophic failure. And because the system operated so fast that a control room wasn't able to respond quick enough. And so that's where these guys created a market for their product and they used it. Um, they had three different sensor technologies at various points throughout the facility that could tell the computer, what was going on in the plant. And then they'd write the fancy stuff and interpret all of that and go, Hmm, computer a is saying that's bad. Turn it off. Computer B disagrees and says, Nope, I don't see that. And they don't have time to go troubleshoot why they disagree. So they ask computer C and the, to, to trade to say, well, if two of the three of you agree, then we're going to shut it down or, or leave it running. And we're going to quarantine the, the one that disagreed and go figure out why they were different in a, on a different time frame. But it was a triple redundant system. And it, they went to different technologies for the sensors, different wiring harnesses and cables, different in, input-output boxes. It, it was the most complex redundant system I'd ever seen. And they said, well, if a nuclear plant explodes, that's what we're trying to avoid. So it's worth it, <laughs> you know, or a chemical plant. Or they, they were in very high risk, high consequence, I, shouldn't say, I should say. If something fails, it could fail really, really bad. And so they, that's where their market was. Um, and so they were able to justify this level of redundancy. So it's basically comes down to my tenant. It's basically how you look at the problem, yep. not holding the tree or high risk. You know, again, it's that basic quality thing of focus on the critical few, not the insignificant many. Mm -hmm. If a nuclear power plant can go nuclear, then you're going to have redundant systems for everything. Yep. Pumps, blah, 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 blah. I think also it comes down to like you use a pressure vessel the vessel itself is going to have redundancies. It's going to have relief valves that have to be tested and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, yep. you know? So throughout the system for these high risk areas, uh, in the event of a potential failure, catastrophic failure, you're going to have redundancies that are required. Why public safety? Yep. 
Yeah. And also and just I, customer satisfaction. Not many people like having their water heater blow up in their basement. <laughs> not, not a good, which, not a good look. <laughs> which is a pressure pressure, pressure vessel. vessel. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, and this is a plug to um, uh, Carl uh, Burnett. He writes a, a series of articles on history of reliability and maintenance management. And he, I was talking to him or traded a couple of emails with him the other day, and he's got a whole series coming out on pressure vessels. That's what made me think of him, and and boilers. Uh, from the early 1800s, boilers were, you know, it was even in a presidential State of the Union address is the need to monitor and regulate and measure these these boilers and these pressure vessels uh, because things were blowing up and, you know, like on a, on a, a ferry. Um, an explosion on a ferry when you're in the middle of the lake is not a good thing, usually. So let's go back to my little talk. Uh, this is the area that I'm working on a lot these days daily, is these systems, these high-risk, quite often infrastructure systems mm -hmm. that need redundancies throughout the design. And what happens if uh, these, well, okay, so a, a boiler, nuclear power plant is simply a, a boiler. Yeah. You know, that's, that's all it is. So what do we have? We have an ASME stamp, American Society for Mechanical Engineers stamp, on that nuclear boiler, just like you do in that water heater you have in your basement. Yep. Now, what happens when these systems are uh, can change very quickly from laminar to to different types of flows, you know, a com complex flows, yep. and these are all automated with AI systems, and the human isn't fast enough to figure out what's going on. Are we going to trust that autonomous decision making? from that decision, from that agent, AI agent. That's the future where we're going to be in the next 20 years. Well, yeah, you know, we already hard code stuff now. If you see this, this, and this, and this, and here's the trends that these things are doing, computers today can do that. It's not AI. It's just, you know, it, you meet the set of conditions or gates, you do this. AI takes it, refines that quite a bit in saying, I'm going to yeah. look at, subtleties in that that we can't hard code is if i gather those things right we trust computers today to tell time for us right i don't think we need an ai agent to help us keep our clock synced but what happens when we have that nuclear power plant or that pressure vessel think bhopal that is you know hasn't had its relief valves tested in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. And, 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 and it might go nuclear. Yeah, but the, the, the issue I have is that um, it's not, AI isn't the only solution. And why are we forcing ourselves to create facilities that then we ignore the maintenance on or we create systems that are, I mean, one of the things, this probably is a whole other podcast, but, I'm thinking of some of the more modern uh, fighter jets, and and they don't have manual control of the the wings and directions. It's all fly by wire, and yep. the stability of it is is a massive computer program just to make sure the plane doesn't rattle the bones out of the pilot, and is controllable. Um, it's amazing technology that makes it all work. And for what we get another two hundred you know, 
foot pounds of pressure, you know, force out of the thing. We get to fly a little bit faster, turn corners quicker. I, I, it, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> another podcast. Yeah. I another. think we're done. So as we sort of peek out on this discussion, I think redundancy is a required risk management technique. Yeah. It flies in the face of common sense. It flies in the face of lean saying no redundancy, no buffer inventories, no duplicate suppliers. But it's a really critical area of life that we really need to pay attention to. Again, another example for the future of everything is risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just had to throw that you in. You got to throw that in. All right. All right. Well, there's a lot of ideas in here. And in, in, in practical sense, we use redundancy all the time. And it, I think my point is, is let's make sure that we're thinking through when and where it's appropriate, when and where it's not. And, and I think the view, point of view, and where does it matter, and what matters, the vital few, all those things make sense. So that hopefully you get some of that out of it. If you got questions, and this was sparked by a question that we got. Um, so it's if you've got a question on this or other topics, please do let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. You can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us. And there's plenty of uh, ways to get a hold of us uh, other than that one link is through LinkedIn uh, or through our about page on Ascendo. So we try not to be hard to find and get in touch with. So we look forward to hearing from you. And I think, Greg, this one, this episode will come out pretty early January. So uh, as part of the show, we'll say Happy New Year, everybody, and hopefully uh, have a uh, healthy and prosperous uh, year ahead of you. So leave it at that. Yeah, just to be counter, I would basically say redundancy is life-saving. And um, happy holidays, folks. Enjoy. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Talk <laughs> to you later. You bet. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.